0: The Tennis Scaling Podcast and Sports Scaling Podcast now is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. And make sure to check out Draft Day 2.0 starting August 9th at noon Pacific. Ryan Real Money Kramer will begin drafting for 24 hours straight. The Fantasy Football Marathon will raise money for Daryl, a loyal listener who was injured in a motorcycle accident. Head to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft day for more details. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Reichel. And joining me, as always, of course, is my co-host, Sam Jacob. And together, we're going to break down the upcoming ATP event in Montreal, one of the biggest non-Grand Slam tournaments of the year. But before we do all that, introductions. Sam, thanks for joining me again. How excited are you
1: for this tournament? Yeah, this tournament's an absolutely huge tournament. We had a few uh, tournaments beforehand last week, uh, one of them which was pretty much, well, both of them kind of were just chalk for the most part. Uh, one of them was just Medvedev taking over, and the other one got a little interesting there um i had a i had both my locks and my dog's hit so that was good from the last episode but and i had rublev with the under and th- that just got lucky uh, I thought he was going to make it to the final. Unfortunately, he did lose to Nushioka, and he lost badly enough for me to actually hit that under and uh, and be able to win. And then Medvedev also won two nothing in the sets. So just just moving forward and looking to this tournament and the how big it is. I mean, all these huge key players in here besides the number one player in the world. And I'm not talking Medvedev. I'm talking Djokovic and Nadal not being here. Pretty much the rest of the class, I guess, besides Zverev is in this tournament. So it's going to be big.
0: Yeah. And of course, just to remind people that Djokovic was supposed to be in this event. He was not able to participate because it's in Canada and he's not vaccinated. So he's not allowed into the country. And Nadal had to also decide to skip this event because of the abdomen injury. So he is not able to actually play yet. So other than that, though, we're going to go quickly through the outrights. We're going to talk about some quarters as well, uh, not just the overall tournament winners. Uh, You mentioned your recap for last episode. You did a great job. You swept everything. I did not. I ended up losing. I had the three Moneyline favorites at minus 101 that lost because Rublev lost. And then I also ended up laying Rublev alternative spread, and he just got his ass kicked. There's really no other way around it. Nishioka was very good, kept the ball in play. I thought that Rublev would not self-destruct. He did, he, and uh, there you go. So I looked to snap out of it, but...
1: It was unfortunate we couldn't see Rublev play Kyrgyz in that final, but...
0: Yeah, because we knew going into the actual final that even though we didn't have a show for it, that Kyrgios was a huge favorite. He deserved to be. And Kyrgios basically was deja vu in the second set because he got the immediate break and then held the entire way. And then just for good measure, broke in the final game of the second set to win 6-4, 6-3. But it was basically a carbon copy. It seemed like Kyrgios got out to an open lead, defended his serve like we expected him to, And there you go. He won another City Open. So congrats to Kyrgios and congrats to Medvedev. That was the one thing I did get right from last week. I did have Medvedev to win the tournament. I can't say that I'm patting myself on the back too hard because he was minus 200. But I said that he would probably dominate, maybe not even drop a set. And what do you know? He did not drop a set the entire tournament. So we got the Medvedev outright correctly. Uh, You got your lock and dog. I did not. But either way, Time to move on. It's a new week and we'll look for some winners. But before we get into the actual outrights for the ATP Montreal tournament, we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time for new customers to join because new customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. If you're betting baseball, you have to check out WinBet for their reduced juice in baseball games, which makes them the best place to bet MLB. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to Sports Gambling Podcast dot com slash win so they know we sent you that sports gambling podcast slash w y n n b e t to claim your free bet today all for subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in a state where play through win bet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call one 800 4700 It's also time to announce Draft Day 2.0 Ryan Real Money Kramer from SGPN, we'll be drafting fantasy football best ball teams for 24 hours straight. The drafting starts on August 9th at noon Pacific. The crew will be raising money for Daryl, a loyal listener who was injured in a motorcycle accident. You can draft with Ryan and a ton of special guests. All the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com draftday draft day. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft day. We're also brought to you by Odds Trader. On this podcast, I've mentioned time and time again the importance of shopping your lines. And while it might be annoying to pull up several books to find the best line available for you, it takes a lot of effort. And luckily for us, Odds Trader does the work for you because OddsTrader is the perfect place to compare odds from all the major sports books in one central location. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sportsbooks to get the best deal when you initially sign up. The app provides you with player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for bettors to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker feature so bettors can keep records of all their games and betting activity. Go to oddstrader.com slash blue wire oddstrader, the number one site for all of your game day bets. Welcome back everybody to the tennis gambling podcast for when on break. We briefly recapped what happened over the weekend And how Kyrgios and Medvedev both won ATP titles. Now it's time to actually get into Montreal as we got to talk about some outrights. And we're going to start off going through the lines. Then we'll talk about what we like. So Sam, I'm going to read these off and then afterwards we'll have a discussion. But you got Medvedev as the favorite. No shocker there at plus 260. Alcaraz is the second favorite at plus 450. Sinner's 10 to 1. Kyrgios is 11 to 1. Once again, you could chop your lines. You might find something different, but this is what I have in front of me. Tsitsipas is 14 to 1. Felix is 18 to 1. Berrettini is 20 to 1. Rublev is 22 to 1. Fritz is 22 to 1. Nori is 25 to 1. And Rude is 35 to 1. There's a couple others, of course. It's a very star-packed tournament, so if you want to go for some sleepers, we'll talk about them uh, specifically in a second. But those are the main favorites. Sam... I'm going to start off with you, but I feel like we should probably work backwards because when you have Medvedev, Alcaraz, Sinner, and all these great players in the field, it's pretty unlikely for a long shot to actually win the tournament. But that's kind of going to be why I'm going to ask you first. Are there any long shots that you think you actually have a shot to win the tournament? Or do you think that you might get a Nishioka run last week where you have a pretty good run, maybe a semis, maybe even a final? and realistically going to get blown out
1: yeah uh f- for to pick one of these big shots to pick one of these long shots or to pick anyone out of the top th- three guys there uh what i do the same thing i do for every tournament i look at the draws and when you look at the draws in each one of these quarters they're absolutely massive you know there's uh, I believe it's, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, eight matches and just the first round of each of these quarters. They're going to have to go through four rounds to actually get into the quarterfinal and actually play for the quarter winner. So I'm looking at one of these draws, and I think what I see here is that the easiest quarter is going to be either the second quarter or it's going to be... I think it's just the, the second third quarter, quarter to be but yeah, yeah. I, I have to go with the second quarter. So um, from what I see from the second quarter, I see a decent pass path for Augur to actually make a run in his hometown or his home country um in this quarter we don't even know who he's gonna have to play in the second round yet it looks like it's gonna be qualifiers and then he'll have to play nori who we played uh, like very tough against in, in the previous tournament he was
0: undefeated yeah. against him before this past loss but either right.
1: way and, and nori nori should be even more tired because he had to play medvedev which is always ridiculous um and after that, if he happens to get into the quarterfinal, well, he has to play either Kachmanovich or Nori, yeah um, both of which uh, he, I think, he has a strong chance of beating. By the way,
0: have- by the way, uh, just to backtrack for a second, Felix would either be playing Nishioka or Pair in the second round.
1: Oh, okay, all right. Well, Nishioka's very exhausted, also, I believe. Shout out to him for beating Rublev. We both didn't see that coming. You won with it, but I did not. So I got lucky, but uh, we move on from that. Uh, and Benoit Paire, Benoit Paire. We've talked about him in the past. We've lost from him, actually beating be, uh, beating us and yep. beating uh be- Go- 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 yeah. in the previous tournament. But Auger has a decent shot here, I think. And if he happens to get into that quarterfinal, he'll have to play the likes of Rude, Mackenzie McDonald, Bublik, Brooksby. I mean, those are those are really the guys that it looks like. Um, from the top half of the quarter, and all of those guys, I believe Augur is better than in quality just alone. So he I think he has a good chance of making the quarter run here. He'll have to go up. The issue is that he'll have to go up against Medvedev after that, but for somebody that you're looking to win a quarter, which is very tough to find in this entire tournament because there's so many matches... I think Auger at plus 1,800 is one of those guys in his home country, could have the crowd behind him, that I could be backing for just a little bit um, here in this tournament. But just to set the tone of how big this tournament is, you compare it to the City Open, which we just uh, had this past week, and that had a total prize pool of about $2 million. Uh, and then you had Los Cabos, which we, uh, this past week, I think that was a prize pool of $900,000. And we look at this tournament, $6 million. Yep. So it's about three times the likes in prize pool of City Open. That's how big this tournament is. That's how big these players want to play. And that's why there's so many players here in this tournament.
0: Yeah. But you mentioned a potential long shot, so to speak, there with Felix. Do you see anybody else maybe above 30 to 1? that you might consider taking a flyer on? Cause I see one and I'm kind of curious if we're going to accidentally match up with the same guy.
1: Uh, yeah. So when you, I would have to look, I would have to be looking at the draw here. And that's what I think is the most important. Uh, it's very tough to say. I think the, the fourth quarter could have also a little bit of vulnerability with Rublev already playing last week. Um, do I think that anyone above 30 to one? Well, Let's see here. Who do we have? I got. I mean, Marin Cilic plus 5,000, I think is not a bad play when it comes to value at all. He'll have to play uh sinner, which is a very, very tough match. But if there's chaos in the top of the quarter, where Rublev is uh, Tiafo, Krajanovich, Evans, Murray, and Fritz, which is also a tough match, but he said he's injured and whatever. He's been on crutches since Wimbledon. And, you know, he made a couple of excuses last week, but, If he's able to uh, get that chaos in the top quarter, he'll have to play center and then he'll have a good chance of winning, uh, playing in the quarterfinals. So 50 to 1 for a guy like Chilich, a veteran, not so bad.
0: Yeah, Chilich was the guy that I was looking at because of the talent, of course. Plus, we know he's a great hardcore player because he won the U.S. Open. So I know that he's capable. He hasn't played in a while, though. So that is going to be a concern in the immediate future if he ends up winning a couple rounds maybe the confidence builds we know Chilich is also a very good server so he might be able to force his way into tiebreakers etc where he could pull off an upset but sinner is a guy who of course is one of my favorite players at this point so the fact that Chilich has to go up against him is a little bit concerning but i was looking at chilich because for talent purposes he should not be at the same price point as Tiafo, Ketchmanovich and Dimitrov. I think that's offensive to Chilich. I think he should be closer to 40 to 1, 35 to 1 because of the talent. Besides that, I really don't see many of the serious long shots. Maybe you can make an argument for Batista Goot because he's been playing very well. However, of course, that was on clay. But Agut does have the type of play style where he could upset a lot of people because of the fact that he keeps the ball in play all the time. And if the players around him self-destruct, Agut could definitely facilitate some players self-destructing because of his very consistent play style. And he is in that second quarter. So he's in the Felix Nori section, where you're really looking around and there's not many superstars. And I do think that Batista Agut could make a run there in that second quarter. You have any thoughts on Batista Agut?
1: Uh, what, what's the price there on the, on that one? What's the odds? Uh, the price on a good is forty
0: to one. The price on him to win the quarter is seven to one.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, uh a forty to one, I mean, you, you got the likes of the only thing is that you got a guy like Turcot, so you could also get it thirty-five to one, and I I think I would prefer someone like that. Actually, I take I it back. I that I, th- I
0: found a good at fifty to one.
1: Okay, all right. So, so around same as Chilich. um. What, what scares me in this tournament now is you have a bunch of, I, I, I've i been saying it time and time again, but you have a bunch of players. And I think for the most part, I mean, I've, I've been pretty accurate with it, but you have a bunch of players now with this tournament changing surfaces Yeah, and I want to avoid every single one of the players that are doing that. Unfortunately, you do have Sinner, who is an excellent player, also changing surfaces. But then the, you look at the people who, who are not changing surfaces, and they just played this weekend, especially the big guys like mm. Kyrgyz and Medvedev. They just won a tournament. They went the full length. Now, Medvedev uh, didn't even budge throughout the entire yeah, tournament. He didn't drop so... a set.
0: He had a little bit of an issue there in the middle of the first set where the webbing in between a couple of his fingers was a little bit cut. So, he had to get that taken care of, but then he won the final eight games after that, so I'm not exactly concerned. By the way, I was shopping, and I did find Chilich at 66-1. to 1. Okay. All so, right. I, I'm tempted by that. We're going to get back I'm to that in a second. You. But either way, Medvedev, of course, to, to your point, I think the initial surface change is important for the first round or two, because once you get a couple of matches mm-hmm. under your belt, then, of course, you'll be able to fully adjust as the tournament progresses. So... To go through all the people just quickly who had to make an adjustment early on, Alcaraz, Sinner, Tsitsipas, Berrettini. Uh, then you go down the line and that's basically it for the immediate guys. You have Rude as the next one, but yeah, that's a decent amount of the quality players. It's about half, That's half the top six in terms of odds that have not played a hard court match leading up to this event. So... Sam, I asked you about some long shots. It seems like we're both on the same page. Maybe take a flyer with Chilich, especially at 66 to one. I think that's just a very nice price. But for the most part, we're expecting a relatively top-heavy event where one of the top seven or eight are going to win the tournament. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, it's going to be about stamina. And we talked about this in the last podcast. It's about mental stability and the ability to keep fighting on even if you come into the eyes of adversity. So with those top guys are the guys that are going to be able to do such a thing, and we see that all the time in the major tournaments where it's almost always the top guys who are winning these tournaments, and it sh- it's going to be, I-, I would think, is going to be the same thing here, where you see one of those long shots, and you just wonder, can they make it through, and you, you just you don't think that they can. So that that's my issue with going with such a big, long shot. Of course, you have a hedging opportunity, but yeah, I agree. It's, it's I think it's going to be one of the top guys.
0: And I also feel like it's worth mentioning the history of the event in terms of recent winners. There's going to be a lot of Nadal Djokovic, so just bear with me here. And of course, both of them can play. But Medvedev won last year. They didn't have it because of COVID in 2020. Nadal twice, Zverev, Djokovic, Murray when he was ranked number three in the world. Uh, You had Sanga, which was kind of a shocker there, beat Federer in the final. Nadal, Djokovic, Djokovic, Murray, Murray, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal. The point is the top three players in the world tend to win this event. That was kind of the main point of that exercise. If you want to talk about people that are in the event that have a shot to win that have made deep runs before, Medvedev made the final... In 2019, lost to Nadal. Then he ended up winning the title in 2021. Shout out to Riley Opelka for making the final last year, which is pretty funny. But you, just going down the line, Sitsi Paz did make the final in 2018, and that's basically it. I I'm, Murray's in this tournament, but he's a shell of his former self, so we're not fully counting that. But it's been mostly a top one, two, or three, just dominated tournament and rightfully so. You mentioned the prize money, $6 million. So you constantly have the number one through five basically show up for this event, and they usually dominate. So if you want to pick a long shot, I don't think this is the tournament for you. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, it's going to be... Obviously, with the results we just saw, it's going to be tough for one of those guys to really pull through um, without the entire bracket pretty much breaking up into pieces as he moves along. Um, Even the
0: runner-ups here, uh, I'm looking through these, and Rayonich was top ten back in 2013.
1: I was going to ask you about Rayonich. How, how far you uh, like? How's the farthest he's gotten this tournament? He, he made he, made the, he made
0: the final in 2013, but Rayonich hasn't basically played a match all year. Uh, he's his injuries have really just derailed his career at this point. But he made the final, of course. He made a Wimbledon final. He was doing very well, and he ended up getting injured, of course. But uh, Federer was a runner-up. Djokovic was a runner-up. Nishikori, who was also top 10 back in 2016, was a runner-up. Federer, uh, Sitsipas, Medvedev, and Opelka had the miracle run. But you you had a bit of a limited field last year because there was still a little bit of COVID controversy going on. But the point is, you tend to see a lot of the top fives against each other in the final. So I'm not really going to be going for a serious long shot. I mentioned Chilich, You mentioned Felix. I mentioned Batista, Gut, because I like the current form. But I think it's going to be a pretty top-heavy tournament.
1: Yeah, and if you're scared of the Medvedev fatigue factor, I really don't think you should be. Um, For example, if you're looking at um, his finals run in 2019, he played the City Open – he, and he got to the finals of the City Open that year and played lost Kyrgios, to Kyrgios, I think, yeah. lost to Kyrgios and two tiebreakers, which is a, a nice long match, tough match there, and then started playing Montreal uh, three days later and ended up making the finals. So it, it, that's not, I don't think, one of the guys that you should be really scared of uh, for fatigue factor, and he happens to be the world number one. So
0: Yeah, so I'm not concerned about it, especially since Medvedev, of course, being number one in the world has a bye, in round one so he was off Sunday he's going to be off Monday he's off for the entire first round he's got a couple of days to travel and reset and we know Medvedev's stamina is second to none realistically in the entire world you can talk about Nadal you can talk about Djokovic Medvedev is right there in terms of stamina so I'm not exactly concerned by him potentially falling apart I'm more concerned about the likes of Kyrgios and the likes of Nishioka for example Nishioka doesn't have a shot to win this tournament anyway but you understand my point. I'm more concerned about the fatigue factor for other players, maybe Nori, but Medvedev's in a class separate from all those other guys in terms of fitness. So I'm really not concerned. But I was going to ask you, since we kind of narrowed down who we expect to win to the top six, I want to talk about the top six. You mentioned Felix. I have no interest. I know he's Canadian. But we saw Shapo make a very good run here a couple of years ago with the home crowd behind him. But Felix is a psycho, and I mentioned in the past how I didn't want to pick him to do anything in Los Cabos because I expect him to fall apart at some point. And he did make the semis. He did lose to Nori, but he was undefeated against Nori before that, and then he lost. So I don't trust Felix, especially over a long tournament, to make a deep run. Sitsipas I think, is interesting because he did make the final here a couple years ago. Now he is making a surface change. He hasn't played in a while but I do think you can make a case because he's very experienced with this event that he could make some type of run. Kyrios, I'm tossing out. I know he's been really good, and it seems like mentally he's been more focused for this past year, but we've seen him just still have the mental lapses at times. We see him struggle a little bit with movement, especially in long matches, and now he has to play basically for a full weekend change, and he's facing Medvedev in the second round off a bye. So I'm tossing Curios out. I don't think he has a shot to win this tournament. Alcaraz is interesting, but I think there's no value at the price point. I cannot understand how Alcaraz is plus 450 when he basically has no hard court results whatsoever.
1: Do you understand this? Uh yeah not I I saw that earlier and it's I think that's just ridiculous. It's offensive. Um, it should be like 8 to 1, 9 to 1, but plus 450 is ridiculous. Yeah, that's just uh, it, for for having Medvedev at plus 260 Alcaraz being the second guy plus 450 it, it, it's 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 really there's no there's no value there. And based off experience, and I think they're just giving him too much credit. We talked about that in prior tournaments, but it may, maybe the media coverage or anything like that. But he has, he didn't even win the two clay tournaments that no. uh, we both expected him to win. So uh, I can't go. I can't go with him, and I don't think he should be a plus plus four fifty either. And I think and that's further, ridiculous.
0: yeah. And furthermore, Medvedev does have the second quarter in his side, which is good because, of course, the second quarter is the easiest one. So his matchup in the semis should be significantly easier than Alcaraz's match in the semis if you would get that far. But Alcaraz is in the same section as Rublev, Fritz, and Chilich, And then he just lost to Sinner on both clay and grass, And he would have to match up against Sinner again? Am I just supposed to assume he's going to be favored in that match? Because I think Sinner should be favored in that match.
1: Yeah, and if anything, it's a coin flip, and, it, and then it goes back to the plus four fifty. It just—it's too low of a price. It doesn't really make sense. But I do have to get—I do have to defend one of the guys here. Um, I—I'm I, defending Felix. I think we call a bunch of a couple of people psychos in this ATP tour. He's not—he's he not as bad, to be, but he, be, seems especially to, on a hard court, he seems he, to he, be he, he, vulnerable to
0: upsets. That I, I'll phrase it that way.
1: All right. Fair enough. But he's pretty consistent on hard court. He has a 72% win rate this year on hard court. I I just don't think he deserves that. But I mean, when we're talking about the Alcaraz, just going back to the Alcaraz, the plus 450 just doesn't make sense. It's just not there.
0: Uh, The the Alcaraz thing is kind of its own separate. Co- topic of conversation. I'm not going to go too long. Two in-
1: different two different topics. Yeah.
0: I, I'm not going to go too long into it. I'm just going to say this. I understand that Alcaraz is a phenom. We all know this. He might be the most overrated player on the tour right now. And I'm not even trying to be yeah. offensive. Like, I, I know how good he's supposed to be. It's fine. We can acknowledge that he's going to win several Grand Slam tournaments in the future. But he hasn't won anything And he's the second favorite in huge fields with a bunch of top 10 players. And yes, I know he made the ATP finals in several tournaments a bunch of times. But can he at least win a Grand Slam first before everyone crowns him as being the next Nadal? Can we just pump the brakes a little bit? He's a very good player, but we've seen him lose in finals recently. We've seen him struggle at times and get upset at times. Musetti in the finals, an example of that. Is it fair to call him overrated? Because it seems like the media is crowning him as being this guy. And he very well might be. I need to see more, especially in grand slams. I haven't seen enough. He hasn't even made a semis in a grand slam yet.
1: Yeah. I mean, his early year performance was very, very, very good. Um, Winning in Miami on hard court, but it, 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 It's The plus 450 is just ridiculous. I mean, just like you said, we need to see him win more for him to be at the the likes of Medvedev, very close, plus 260, plus 450, and then you have Sinner drop back at plus 1,000 uh, with these upsets of these previous tournaments. It it just doesn't make sense to me, especially with this big field. You're absolutely right.
0: And if you disagree that Alcaraz is overrated, and let's just say that you think that he deserves to be you know, viewed this way because he's a top five player and all this. Okay, that's fine. At least compromise with me if you're listening to this and you disagree about my statement. Can we at least agree he's the most overvalued tennis player in the betting markets? Because he is such just his low odds on every single tournament. And I get the ranking. I understand it. But am I missing something? Is he uh, a dominant hardcore player? I mean, he beat Tsitsipas in the U.S. Open last year, and you mentioned the run in Miami. Are we really putting him at plus four fifty because of basically two tournaments? I, I no, can't. I'm with, I'm I can't do with,
1: that. Yeah. So, I'm with I, you. and it, if you even look at U.S. Open to, for him to win the U.S. Open now is plus three fifty. I mean it's it's just it's just craziness. I don't I don't know. It's just it's way overvalued. It's I, I can't understand. Plus, especially I mean, I get he has more stamina than any of the low tier guys, but I, it, it's just too much. And there's a surface change. Yeah, you, in this tournament, yeah, especially in this with the surface change. But but uh, yeah. you want to break down another another one of these quarters? We haven't really talked. I mean, we talked about briefly. Um, oh yeah, uh, we we were gonna deep dive third. into the
0: quarters. Like, don't don't you worry. I know that that's your bread and butter. We are definitely gonna go through that. I was just gonna say for the top six, since we're picking winners. I think Medvedev's going to win. I'm not going to try to shock the world here. I'm picking the number one player in the world and easily the best hardcore player in this field. Not even close. I'll take him to win. And if you want to throw in a couple of other guys, Sitsipas is tempting. I know I just roasted Alcaraz for kind of not having the greatest hardcore results and Sinner's results are pretty good on hardcore. I really like the value on Sinner at 10 to 1. Like, I think Sinner is a better player than Alcaraz, and you're basically getting him at two times the price. Am I missing something? I know that his region is difficult because he is in, uh, yeah, Sin- Sinner is in the Sitsipas beratini region, which is difficult, and I acknowledge that. But do you think that Sinner is fairly priced there, or do you think that? I, I, I really have a hard time gauging what sinner should be priced because of how mispriced Alcaraz is. That's really how I'm having a hard time viewing this.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think a decent idea, now that you bring it up, is to pick one of these sinner, uh, Tsitsipas or uh, Rublev guys who are all over 10 to 1, and then m- maybe hedging in the finals, praying that Medvedev is not the guy that's there. Um, that's not a bad idea if, when you have Tsitsipas at 14 to 1 or sinner at 10 to 1. Uh, Rublev, 22-1, to one, we just, you know, he, he disappointed uh, yeah, us. I but... wouldn't pick Rublev. If, if, <laughs> if,
0: if I was going to pick anybody else, it would be Berrettini, which is kind of funny and painful because Sinner, Sitsipas, and Berrettini are all in the same quarter, which is just an absolute disaster if you want to pick any of those guys or multiple of those guys. But I think Berrettini's mispriced.
1: I'm scared of the surface change there. It, it obviously depends on the price when we're talking value. 20-1. to one. I understand it. I'm scared of the surface change. You'll have to play center. He'll have to play Tsitsipas after that. Yeah. Uh, I- I'm staying away from him personally.
0: Are you taking Medvedev or you want to make a case for another top six guy? Because you mentioned Felix, but if I was going to pick anybody else, it would probably be Sinner or Sitsipas. But in reality, I, I just think Medvedev's going to win.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the at the big prices there early on, but um now that we're really deep diving into it, I, I gotta agree, I gotta switch over to a guy like Titsi Pass who has a better chance at even making the finals and then having a hedging opportunity where Auger would have to play Medvedev in the semifinals. So, um, if there if there was a guy, I, I would also stray away a little bit from Auger and go with a Sitsipas there at fourteen and one. Just the guy who has the biggest plus money who is still in the top six in this tournament.
0: Yep. But since we just went through all the outrights, it's time to talk about plays that we're going to have significantly more money on, if I had to guess. Uh, but based on uh, I know your passion for quarters, it's time to get into it. We're going to start off with the first quarter. Medvedev favored, duh, at plus 140. Kyrios is at plus 350, which is pretty funny because they're in line to play each other in the second round, and they have the two lowest odds to win the quarter. Herkaz is 7-1. to one. Shapo's 9-1. to uh, Dimonor is is 9-1 to one as well. And then you have some long shots in there. Sam, I'm not going to ask you about long shots because Medvedev's in the region, and I know we're not going to pick any long shots. Uh, Medvedev
1: or pass? i top of about this, Medvedev, or Field. Medvedev. Okay. That's it. I mean, I've got got nobody else in the first quarter besides Medvedev. We talked about the results of how how these high-ranking players play. We've talked about Medvedev having to go back-to-back tournaments and still making into the finals in 2019. Uh, Hercats, we saw lose very early uh, when he played. Kyrgios, you might want to keep an eye out. He might not even show up in this tournament. He might play. He might not. He might play and just lose in the first round. He also played the he doubles, played, which right, we forgot exactly. to mention. He, he won both, both the doubles and the singles. Uh, uh, that's, that's a lot that's a of lot fatigue of there. Yeah, A lot of fatigue. We saw him in the later rounds really not moving as well and reaching for the shots. He definitely has the talent to be able to do that for some of the players and still be able to pick up wins. Obviously, won the tournament, but once you start not moving well in a tournament like this where it's you're going to have to play... Six matches, back to back to back to back to back to back. Like the, it's just you might want to keep an eye out on Kyrios not even, you know, being able to play. But I'm, I'm just going with Medvedev, and that's really it.
0: Yeah, Medvedev is my block for the quarters here. I don't know how I'm supposed to resist it. I don't know what you think the price is going to be for Medvedev against Kyrios. What's Medvedev there like minus three hundred?
1: Uh if if Kyrgyz ends up winning in the in the first round. Yeah, not uh, not what it
0: should be, but what do you think it's going to be? Like 300,
1: 350? Well they over they overpriced Kyrgios also, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I could see my, I could see minus three hundred too. There. So
0: can we agree then that if Medvedev ends up beating Kyrgios as a minus three hundred, minus three fifty favorite? I mean the rest of the section seems like a cakewalk, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, he'll have to, the only test he'll really have, I guess, if you really want to call it, I mean, I don't even think it is, but would have to be in the quarterfinal. Um, if someone like Herkotz is able to make it, we, we, we've seen him not make it. We've seen him fall f- flat. Um, recently, so sh- uh, I don't think he'll even have a fl- problem later on. Uh, I mean, you you have sh- the likes of Schwartzman maybe, but it's not really a problem. For
0: and, and Chapo plays the in the first round, so they're going to kill each other. So, the way that I look at it, I think Medvedev's an auto play, especially yeah. since he's plus 260 to win the tournament, you can just get him in one of the easier quarters that there are at plus 140. He's the best hardcore player, not named Djokovic or or Nadal, you can make an argument for. But in this field, he's easily the best, plus money all day, every day. Because his hardest match should be against Kyrgios. And there is a chance that Kyrgios just punts the first match because he's exhausted. So, give me Medvedev, we agree there. Uh, Besides that, moving on to the second quarter, you mentioned Felix making a run. So, I'm assuming you're going to take Felix at plus 350, but if you want to look at anybody else, Nori is five to one. Rude is five fifty. Brooksby is six fifty. Batista Goot is seven fifth is a seven hundred. Uh, Ketchmanovich is seven to one as well. And then you get into some long shots. So you mentioned Felix potentially for the value. Do you like Felix as the favorite, or are you looking elsewhere?
1: Um, I think Felix will prevail to win the second quarter. But uh, you talked about him earlier. I think Batista Goot has a decent price in in this quarter as well. The bottom half of this quarter is really, really tough. You have a lot of these players who are the same style, Cameron Nori, Nakashima, Ketchmanovic, and Van de Zanschlup, who like to play uh, good, consistent tennis. Uh, some of them uh, are not as consistent as others, obviously, but those are going to be really tough matches that could destroy themselves, which could... Have an easier pass for Auger, but on the top side, you don't see that uh, that quality and that kind of tennis um as much. Yeah, Batista against Giron. I think Bautista is going to take it. I think Giron is a little bit too uh volatile. You could see him hit yes. some very nice shots in the first set and then completely fall apart with unforced errors. And then you have Casper uh, Ruud, who is ranked very very high right now, and uh he deserves it with his French Open run. But he's a clay, in guy. the hard court. Yeah, he's a clay guy in the hard court. He's He's not as good, and he's doing a surface change. So you have a guy like Bautista Gu, who can play some really good, consistent tennis. At plus seven hundred, also not so bad. If he plays Auger, that would be a really nice match to see. Auger's a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher, a little bit stronger. But with Batista um consistency, uh, it's not plus seven hundred. Is also something somewhere that I'm looking at for this quarter.
0: Yeah, and if you're looking ahead on the actual path for Batista Agut. We both think he's going to beat Giron. Second round, he would play the winner of Bublik or Brooksby. I'm going to take Brooksby. Bublik has not played since the Newport final, so I think that Brooksby is going to beat him. Batista Agut and Brooksby play the same style, but Batista Agut's better. Can we say that? Uh, yeah. So I think he should win there. And then you're looking at potentially Ruud, who's not very good on hard court. It's better than grass. We'll put it that way. But I think Agut should do well there. On the other hand, you have Felix taking on Nori, most likely, and then the winner of that would play a Goot. So I do think there's actually a very nice path there. Seven to one for a player that's been playing very well. I know that it was on clay, but I still like the form. Batista Goot is still a pretty good hardcore player. He's consistent everywhere because we know that his strokes are just fundamentally sound. But at seven to one, I really like that price, especially with Felix being pretty vulnerable two early tournament upsets, which we've seen in the past. Are there any other names you want to talk about in this quarter? Or should we just move on?
1: No, I think we got, we should move on to the third quarter. It gets a little bit more interesting there.
0: Okay, so moving on to the third quarter, uh, we got Sinner as the favorite at plus two forty, followed by Sitsi Pass at plus two seventy five, followed by Berrettini at plus three fifty. I mean, do I have to mention anybody else or we're just picking one of those three? Because I feel like there's a serious divide between the top three and everyone else.
1: Yeah, in this quarter, it's it's really tough to look any, anywhere else uh, because you have such quality on both sides, uh, especially with both of them, Tsitsipas and Sinner, I believe, having a bye in their first rounds. Uh, it's going to be really tough for anyone else to prevail when they need to play all this quality tennis against these guys. So, yeah, I, I'm looking at just those guys as well. I, I, I'm not even I'm not looking at even Berrettini, honestly. I, I really think it he he might struggle with the surface change and the fact that he has to play yet his second round matchup won't be too tough, but I think Arena Busta actually may play him very, very close. So he'll have to be able to beat him and then move on past the second round, then play center and then sitsipass if Pass makes it, but that's what it looks like at the moment. So I, I'm staying away from Berrettini. It looks like mostly there's Sinner and Pass here.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking at the pathway for both. I don't see many upset, I'd say upset potential. Sinner is going to be matched up against Berrettini if Berrettini gets that far. I'm a little bit less pessimistic on Berrettini's surface change because I know for a fact that the serve and the forehand can dominate on hard courts. I've seen it before, but Sinner is a great returner. And he's also been really developing the serve, which kind of has helped him make leaps. And that's how he ended up beating Alcaraz in both Wimbledon and Umag. It's because he didn't get broken in any of those seven sets. So I think Sinner can do enough in the return games to beat Berrettini, but I think it's going to be a very close match. And I'm looking at the bottom end. Do you think that anybody has a real shot of being Sitsipas? Because we know Sitsipas is volatile, but I'm trying to find a tough matchup leading up to the actual quarterfinals and Munfee has gone a wall. We haven't seen him in a long time. Uh, Karatsev, we know is good on hard courts, but he has Cressy in the first round, which should be difficult. I think if I was going to pick anybody for Price, I would pick Sitsipas because he's been a runner-up here before, and he doesn't have to face Berrettini and Sinner. He has to face Berrettini or Center. So based on value, I'll take Sitsipas.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. He'll, he'll only have to play one of them, and the other ones will have to play each other. M- makes a lot of sense to me. But looking at these other guys... Um, Do you want to make then, a case for Karatsev or no? And then the draw. I mean, I I want to make a case for Monfi, but I really can't at the plus 800. <laughs> I mean... The terrible we know, price. We, yeah, it's just a bad price for him. I would, I would love to see him if he was like 15 or longer. But at plus 800, I can't even make any argument for him there. Uh, if he if he gets into stride, we know that he could do a little bit of damage, uh, but on the surface change and not having a while, it's it's tough to go with him at only a plus 800. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, Carino Busta, though, he didn't play well earlier this year. But we saw him get a little bit into form. I think he's gonna do something against Berrettini, but I guess we'll have to see. Maybe we we, we see Karina Busta plus twenty five hundred, by the way.
0: Yeah, which makes sense, of course, because he's gonna be a he's a decent underdog against Berrettini. But at first glance, he thought he'd be a bigger underdog. So it does seem like people are actually giving uh, Karina Busta a fighting chance here. For the record, by the way, monfi has not played a tennis match since May third. So <laughs> I'm gonna toss that right in the garbage. Uh, I know he's going to be well liked because he's entertaining, and of course, he speaks French. So the Canadian fan base tends to kind of gravitate whenever he actually shows up for this tournament. He hasn't played in three months. That was also on clay. I think he's going to lose to Pe- um, I think he's going to lose to Pedro Martinez. I'm being honest with you, but I have no I have no interest in taking him at eight to one. Now moving on. To the wait, so we both agree on City Pass, and you're mentioning a potential long shot play with Karen Abusta, correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so moving on to the fourth quarter, you have Alcaraz at plus 140, you have Rublev at plus 350, Fritz at five to one, Chilich at 12 to one, and then you have Tiafo and Murray both at 14 to one. Uh, Sam, your boy Kakanov is 20 to one. We're not going to talk about that. So, you picking Alcaraz, are you picking anybody else? Because... I think we're on the same page before we actually discuss it. I think Alcaraz is going to win the quarter, but there's no chance I'm laying that price with, with Alcaraz.
1: Yeah, it's the same thing as we talked about before. Um, I I, I would have loved to make a case for Fritz, but there's two problems here. I mean, if he was in good form, uh, I, I would make a case for him, but he's not in good form, and he's only plus 500. Both of those reasons, no chance I am even touching Taylor Fritz on this on this draw, uh, I I got to look for the longer shots of anyone, and I don't really see anything. Uh, you have Alcaraz who we said is, you know, too too heavy priced here, We're but he's still he's still good. Yeah, he's still good. Uh, Chilich we we talked about. He's only twelve to one though. Uh, yeah. If if I'm going long, I'm going I'm going to go long with the tournament rather than just the quarter. Um, but I don't see anyone here besides Alcaraz. We see Rublev be vulnerable. Yeah. So you, you could see a guy like Krasinovich maybe make a run. We could see that. Andy Murray would be nice to see, but uh, it's tough to really call that at the at this point. And if I, I'm saying anyone to win the whole thing, it's going to be probably Alcaraz. But uh, yeah, Krasinovich is 25 to 1. You might have a good hedging opportunity. I'm going to mention him as my long shot for the quarter, but yeah, I'm with you.
0: And just going through some of Chilich's numbers, I mentioned how Monfi has not played since May. Chilich has not played since June. Lost to Krajínová in London on June 18th. Then tested positive for COVID. Couldn't participate in Wimbledon. Has not played since then. So you can argue about uh, if he's going to struggle early on, which is fair. Luckily for him, he is facing George in the first round. George ended up withdrawing in Hamburg back in late July via injury. So for that reason, I do think Chilich has a pretty favorable matchup in the first round. And since they're both from Croatia, they've played each other a bunch and Chilich in the head-to-head is a dominant eight-and-one lifetime against George. So I do think Chilich should get past the first round. And then you're looking at Kakanov or Sarundolo. Am I wrong for liking Sarundolo in that match?
1: Uh you're not wrong about it. You know, Sarundolo actually just climbed up to a top twenty five spot in the world. He's so good. That's that's fun to see. Uh especially with his clay court performances. But he is a clay guy, so it's gonna be a close match. Uh what are the what are the odds on that match? It's Kakinov minus two fifty. Yeah, I think the value is a Yeah, it's more on Sarundalo, but um I don't know. None of them I don't I think can make an actual deep run here. Point is I think Chilich
0: would beat either of them. That that's the main point of why I brought that up. But that's the mm-hmm, immediate mm-hmm. uh matchups that he would have to deal with, followed by Alcaraz. So he would most likely be matched up against Alcaraz in the third round. But I said before, Chilich, very good server. I think he could, keyword could, serve very well, win a couple breakers and win. We know Alcaraz's serve has broken down at times. He's gotten better at it. But double faults can be a bit of a concern. Maybe Chilich could pull it out. But in terms of value, I don't want anything to do with Rublev. I don't know what that performance was against Nishioka, but he also might be fatigued. And I think that's a serious problem. I think Chilich is the value play at 12 to 1. If you want to have some fun and maybe you want to fade Chilich, you can make a case for Sarandolo with 33 to 1. If you want to get really nuts for a super long shot, I don't see much else. I think Alcaraz will probably win the actual quarter, but there you go. So my two picks, I guess, for the quarter are going to be Alcaraz and Chilich. but there's no value on Alcaraz at plus 140. Are we in agreement?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Alcaraz-Krasinovic, but uh, I'm with you on that one as well. Okay.
0: Uh so
1: especially when you could get Medvedev at plus one forty, it's the same same price.
0: Yeah, and Medvedev has the easier quarter because he doesn't have Rublev, Fritz, or Chilich in there. And you could argue about Fritz as current form and Rublev, but they're still top fifteen players. And Medvedev has Kyrgios and Herkaz is technically a top ten player, probably not for much longer because I think is about to pass him, but still. He should not be the same price in the quarter as Medvedev. I think that's crazy. But anything else you want to talk about before we actually get into the Lock and Dog segment? Let's get into it. Cool. So before we get into the Lock and Dog segment, we're going to take another break and have a word from our sponsor. We're also brought to you by Run Your Pool. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their social circles together to compete, connect, and make every game more important. Run Your Pool offers every game type under the sun, from Pick'Em and Survivor to Fantasy Pools. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with customizable features that you don't get anywhere else. We've teamed up with Run Your Pool to host a pool for our annual SGPN NFL Survivor Contest. It's free to enter, and there are tons of amazing prizes that will be announced soon. Hop in now to reserve your spot. Get in over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash survivor. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine, and they also just passed 4 million users, and now you could win money on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over-under. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. And With the NFL season right around the corner, Sleeper is the first sports contest game built into the fantasy experience. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I could join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I could see and copy my friends. Picks with just the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over/under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group at uh, on Sleeper at sleeper.com/sgp and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com/sgp and you'll get $100 matched on your first deposit terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details passwords. Communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed, on computers, tablets, phones, even fire stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish is a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months absolutely free. vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. And welcome back, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast, which just broke down the outrights, both for the actual tournament winner and for the quarters for Montreal, but now it's time to get into some individual matches as it's time for the Lock and Dog segment. Sam, we got a lot of matches to choose from. I'll let you go first. What's your lock?
1: All right, I'm going to go with one that we're going to see tomorrow uh, because, you know, that's more fun for my lock. And I'm going to pick Demon Hour to beat Shapovalov at minus 137. Shapovalov's form has been very not close to his... He's been bad. Potential. I mean, he's been bad. Yeah, he's been bad, sure. If if we're gonna use those words, he, he has not been good. Uh he lost to JJ Wolf in the in the city open in the first round. Um and we have on the other side, I know we have Shapovalov at his home country, but the form has been very it has been so bad or so, so not good that I'm gonna go against him with a guy like demon hour who was able to win the atlanta tournaments a couple weeks back yes he did lose in the first round to nishioka but you know that could be a f- definite fatigue factor there fatigue play nishioka ended up not doing so badly reaching the final there so can't be so upset with demon hour he also won the first set uh but demon hours uh Performances and form is just a, at a way higher level than Chapo here, and Demon Hour is able to play. I think even a fraction of himself, uh, he's going to be able to take this match down. And at minus one thirty-seven, I think it's a good deal.
0: Yeah. And what about your dog? By the way, I'm pretty sure Chapo was lost in the first round in either five of six or seven of the last or six of the last seven tournaments
1: yeah it's it's not been good if you, if you want to take a look at it uh he was able to win the first first uh in the first round of Wimbledon beating Rinderknecht, losing to Nakashima in the second in Mallorca Spain he lost to Bonzi in the first round 6-4 six, 6-1 six, obviously different surfaces then London uh first round loss Tommy Paul it, it's just it's just brutal it's either uh, 5
0: and- of 6 or 6 of 7 but he's been going home very very early Recently,
1: yeah, I, I got it I just like Demon Hour's form, and and his and Chapo's form is just so poor that I, I can't. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, my lock is going to be I mean, my dog is going to be something I've been doing recently, and I will keep on doing It's going to be a future, and it's going to be on the boy Daniel, Daniel Medvedev, Daniel Medvedev at plus 140. He's just, he's just the strongest player in this field. Strongest player on hard court. That's for the quarter. Djokovic for the being plus 140 in the quarter, right? Yep. Just the first quarter. Um, and just to throw it out there, him to be in the final, this doesn't really make any sense, but if we're looking at the final odds, uh, which is plus 175, the plus 140 is way better when he has to p- compete in a semifinal versus a decently high-level player there, uh, and you could just have a plus 140 in the first quarter. Kyrios might not be there, uh, and then he'll have a smooth path, and and then he'll have to play a guy like Herkotz, which he should not have any problem with. He's won here. He's made it to the final here. He shouldn't have any problem. Plus 140, I'll take it to the bank, and I will keep that as my dog. Okay. Plus and first quarter winner.
0: Yeah, uh, that was potentially going to be my dog, so I'll pivot and I'll do something else. But for my lock, I'm going to go with a player that we didn't really talk about much. We talked about briefly— for about maybe five seconds. And we mentioned surface change. Luckily, him and his opponent are both having surface changes. They cancel each other out. But you have a matchup between Schwartzman and Davidovich Fakina. And I'm going to take Schwartzman on the money line at around minus 110, minus 105, give or take. And there's a couple reasons for this. First of all, Schwartzman, very underrated hardcore player. In the last year, he is 21 and 13 on hard courts. Meanwhile, Davidovich Fakina last year, 9 and 17. And if you want to talk about the head to head meetings, Schwartzman has absolutely owned him. He's 3 and 0. They played in Paris. He beat him 6 1 6 1 back in 2020. They played in Germany in 2020 as well. He won that one in three. And they played in the Australian Open in January of 2020. Schwartzman beat him in straight sets. Now, Schwartzman has really been struggling for the last couple of months, but he has had a couple of weeks off. He has not played since losing in Hamburg to Roussevori on July uh, 19th. So he had about three weeks off potentially to overcome any physical uh, ailments he was dealing with. And you're looking at David Fakina. He's had decent results, mostly on grass recently, but or mostly on clay, I should say. But on hard court, he's awful. And Schwartzman's three and zero against him. Can you explain to me why it's minus 110?
1: David ten? Davidovich-Vokoun also year to date four and eight on hard surface.
0: Yeah. So can you explain why Schwartzman is basically either an underdog or a 50-50 pick him when he's dominated him in the past, and he's been a very good hardcore player.
1: Uh, I guess they would have. To, they're looking at form here, but if you're comparing form. On hardcore surfaces, it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be a minus 110. If you're looking at the per- performances, maybe over on clay, I mean, Schwartzman hasn't been bad e- there either. So I, I, I like that pick too. I, I'm with you.
0: I think he'll probably close close to minus 125. So I think he'll close as a favorite, but I'm going to get another
1: on 100 uh, on some book. Okay. So plus
0: 100, I think that's a solid play. Even though this technically counts as a dog because it's a plus price, I'm going to put it as my lock which means I'm going to have two uh, plus price plays because I think that's a very good price on Schwartzman. And moving on to my dog, this is going to be a little bit tricky because of the fact that I was tempted by Medvedev. I thought about a total potentially going for over two and a half sets, but I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to go to the last match on Tuesday. and So it's a little bit down the road. It's going to be Pedro Martinez against Gael Monfils. And I'm going to take Martinez on the money line at plus 140. Monfee's gone AWOL. He hasn't played in three months. He hasn't played a hard court match and even longer than that. And Martinez, I know he's mostly a clay court guy, but he has been playing well lately. So I do like the current form. Martinez can sneak up on you. I think he's a pretty underrated player. But the idea that Monfee is minus 180 after not playing a match for three months is absurd to me. I'm going to take Martinez on the money line at plus 140. You, what do you think Uh, about that?
1: It's a tough call here because you do have Pedro Martinez's form. is like almost solely based off his performances on clay court. So it's very tough. I understand Monfee hasn't been there in a while. Minus 180 might be a a lot for Monfee. I agree with you there, but. It's a value uh, play for me. Yeah, I understand the value play. It's, it's tough for me. I I can't I can't call it on this one. It, it, it's two guys who haven't played really much hard court in a long time, so it's a tough one for me.
0: Yeah, it was either between that one or Sarundalo against Kakanov. Similar idea, about plus 190, and I just think the favorite shouldn't be that big of a favorite. But we talk about surface changes. We don't talk about rust in terms of injuries. Three months, you're laying 180. I, yeah, it's, it's I, I On principle, I got to take I gotta take Martinez on principle. So there you go. But uh, Sam, that's going to conclude it for the actual pick section uh, of the show. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, if US Open doesn't allow Novak Djokovic to play in that tournament, I will not be there. I will not be purchasing any tickets. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're still keeping him out of these tournaments now. Uh, I, I, in Canada, fine. I'm not going to argue that one, but U.S. Open, and Kyrie Irving plays at home in New York. J- just let the man play. Let him in the country. Let's get on with it. He's one of the most fit people on the damn planet. Stop, stop doing this to him. But um, you can find me here on this podcast always at Sam Jacob Tennis on Twitter. Uh, we'll be. I'm sure we'll be doing a few uh, podcasts for this tournament. So keep tuned.
0: Yeah, we kinda have to because there's so many good matches that are gonna be happening over the course of the tournament. So we'll probably instead of doing two episodes, three or four, most likely. So just stay tuned for that. But you can find me on Twitter at Rice Shell Radio. Besides that, still keeping busy with the WNBA gambling podcast. You got the NBA gambling podcast, a lot of stuff going on. And it's a lot of fun to produce this much content. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all your bets. Bye, everyone.